Welcome to The CA, a podcast about news, current events, and commentary on all things atheism from a Canadian perspective. This podcast carries the explicit tag and wears it like a motherfucking badge of honor. So if you get offended, switch off. The CA records each Sunday live from Apostasy Studios. For more, please visit our Facebook page for the latest news, updates, and previews on some upcoming shows. You can email us at theca at rogers.com, and if we're amused or tweaked by your email, we'll use it on the show. And now, here are Michael and Dean. All right, hello and welcome to the CA. Today is Monday, April 24th. I am Michael. I am Dean. Ah, oh, boy. Well, we got a bunch of stuff uh, to get to. Hopefully, everybody's doing okay. Um, everybody hopefully has, uh, recovered from, uh, Savior on a Stick Day, um, <laughs> and, uh, well, gotten... Sunday was, this past Sunday, was, the weather was beautiful here in Canada. Yeah. In, uh, Toronto specifically. There were no Jesus can't, tears. I can't really say here in Canada. Right. The weather varies wildly <laughs> from right. coast to coast. That's right. We don't eat whale blubber, <laughs> and, uh, in the summertime, we wear shorts. Yeah. No At polar least. bears pushed over my igloo so i'm happy (laughs) (laughs) exactly oh boy okay so what are we gonna do today we got a bunch of stuff to get to we're gonna do our fallacy we're gonna i'm gonna do just one little bit from that uh thing i started last week on the uh talk to a church leader and then we've got some news stories and then but one of the news stories um piqued my fury so we're gonna dive into uh we're gonna dive into a a deep and heavy topic and uh, see where it goes. But uh, today we're going to discuss the problem of evil. So, and it, it came from a news story. I was, I was looking something up and came across this and I thought, uh, fuck you. So we're going to dive into that. So, okay. So, uh, and then we're also going to do our fallacy. And, uh, or did I say that already? Yeah, you did. You did? Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's Monday. What do you want? It's Monday. I'm working on not a lot of sleep and getting up early in the morning. Such is life. Okay, so let's do... Wah, um, wah, that's wah. right. That's right. <laughs> Cry me a river. Um, all right, so let's do the, the, the fallacy first. It's not a, it's not a really heavy-duty one, but uh, so let's just tackle that. So the, the fallacy that I picked for this week is the appeal to emotion, which, uh, which is one that I got a lot as a kid, uh, mostly from... Not from my parents, um, But I got it from, basically, from church when I started questioning. So I guess not a kid, like a teenager. Mm -hmm. When I started questioning... No questions when you're a kid. No. Um, When I started questioning, uh, I got the whole... And the first one... And, of course, you don't know what the fuck it is when you're you're a kid, right? You don't know what it is. But the one that I got, the one that always sticks out is, But God loves you. (laughs) Um, Why is it so goddamn mean? (laughs) <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and uh, and the appeal to emotion comes across in uh, in a lot of different ways. And basically, um, I didn't bother to look up a real, the hardcore kind of dictionary definition like I did for all of the other, not dictionary, but, you know, like internet definitions for all the other fallacies. Because this is really pretty simple. It's basically tugging on your heartstrings to get you to buy into something when there's no good reason to buy into it. Mm-hmm. So I used to hear shit like, uh, you know, but God loves you. Um, don't you want to see all your loved ones again? Mm-hmm. Well, know? they even do that like today with like, with not necessarily religion, but even the news. They, they, they say, don't keep, keep your family safe by, you know, doing this or not doing that. Mm. It's still used uh, even in non-religious circles. But I mean, especially in religion. Because uh, like you were saying, don't you want to see your relatives? People die and we don't know what happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And and one of the funny things about uh, that is, well, what if some of your family members are assholes? <laughs> I don't want to see them again. I don't want to see them again. I'm glad they're gone. And the hard part is that we have no idea. You know, it's like, okay, so let's assume for a second the whole thing's real. Well, we don't know who's going to be there, right? So if somebody has a death, you know, so if, you know, um, it reminds me of like um, uh, Chris Rock, right? Mm-hmm. He did this comedy skit talking about how everybody's got the different kinds of uncles. You know, you got your drunk uncle and your molester uncle and all those <laughs> things and stuff like that. Well, what if your molester uncle has a deathbed conversion? Mm-hmm. But, you know, or, you're, but you're yeah. one of the ones that he diddled. Yeah. And you get up to heaven, and it's like, 
Oh, you're here. Yeah, he cashed in his get out of jail free card. <laughs> yeah, you're here. Um, stay over there. <laughs> exactly. Where's my drunk uncle? He's a little one to hang out with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and remind me never to turn my back to you. Um, so yeah, so there's stuff like that. Um, uh, so, okay, so keeping with the, you know, don't you want to see your loved ones again? And then usually what kind of ties in close to that is, you know, doesn't that make you feel good? Yeah, assuming that, so let's put the whole, you know, molest our uncle thing aside for a second. That's just silly. But, um, assuming that you did have good relationships that you would, if possible, want to continue on then it, it's, it's a loaded question, right? Because it's like, well, you know, don't you want to see your loved ones again? Well, of course. Doesn't that make you feel good? And that's the hook mm-hmm. that gets you on. Well, you know, in, in order for that to happen, you gotta, you got to do these things, right? Because this, this is how you get to sit on a cloud and you know, play a harp all day and you know, get to see all your creepy, uh, <laughs> creepy relatives again. Um, and... It also ties in really closely with um, uh, with another argument that gets used all the time, which is a really shitty argument. I don't want to bounce around too much in the ones that we talk about, but um, it ties in very closely to Pascal's wager. So, you know, so if you think about, oh, you know, don't you want to see your loved ones again? The thing, well, you know, just you know, believe because if you do believe. And you're right. Look at all this stuff, good stuff that you'll get. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do believe in you're wrong, well, you haven't lost anything. And I remember, I remember the first time I heard that. I didn't actually hear Pascal's wager until a lot, a lot longer, um, like a lot later on in life. And oddly enough, I heard it from a pair of Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> and because they would come knocking on the door and I would talk to them. And one of them said, you know, you know what? Uh, and I said, well, why do you, you know, why do you do these, you know, things? Why do you do these specific things? Um, and I was still, you know, in- inquisitive at that point. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would have identified as an atheist at that point. I probably would have identified as an, ag- uh, as an agnostic. But I remember saying, you know, it's like, well, you know, why, 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 why? And one of them looked at me and said, even if I'm wrong, all I've done is live a good life. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, if he's, if he's lived a good life, then good for him. Mm. Um, I don't exactly call spending your Sundays going around and trying to convert people a good thing. Yeah, nor do I. Oh, okay, so another uh, quick thing is um, in, the, uh, in the, the little series that we're doing, uh, Talk to a Church Leader. I just want to do uh, one of them quickly because I found this really interesting. So you're listening to a podcast right now, right? So it's online. It's virtual. The third question, so we talked last week about question one and question two. I'm not going to go over them again. But basically it was, you know, is church attendance down and does the, the frequency affect uh, belief? So question three was, will online church replace in-person attendance for many? Is there such a thing? So it's funny because... And all of my news stories tie into this. I found I found a treasure trove uh, of a of a news source, all Canadian, tell, all Canadian based. Um, but it's interesting. So, um, somebody I'm looking forward to seeing at INR Seven is a woman named Greta Vosper, and uh, she's uh, she's kind of come out as a atheist pastor in like the East Scarborough West Hill community. And there was a lot of uh, talk around whether or not, you know, the, um, I don't know whether it was the United Church of Canada or something like that was going to strip her of her, basically of her job and stuff like that. But um, from stuff that I, stuff that I read, you know, she's kind she's, there's an online component. When I was in uh, Kitchener-Waterloo visiting um, my wife's uh, family a year before last, we were out there and my sister-in-law was talking, uh, she had a friend over and she went to a UU church. For those who don't know, UU is Unitarian Universalist. It's like um, it's like the bulk barn of churches. You can <laughs> kind of pick whatever you want. Uh, you know, you know, yeah, a pinch to a pound of you know of whatever uh, floats your boat. Anyway, they have all kinds of online resources. They have blogs and vlogs and forums and stuff like that. Um, and when you're driving along, so for those who don't know, we live in um, Whitby. But if you're driving along 
um, Taunton Road, which most of you won't know where it is, but basically Steeles Avenue, and some of those you don't know where it is. Anyway, a road in, in uh, Durham. Um, driving along, and uh, when you get to, the, there's a cross street close to Ajax, which is another town, not a cleaner. For those of you <laughs> listening that don't know what Ajax is. <laughs> um, there's a church there. It's a Baptist church. And it talks, like, basically, you know, like, see our, you know, watch our live feed Sunday mornings. Really? Yeah. Um, I've never watched, because I don't care. But, uh, but there's all this, but there's, but there's this, there is this online component. I have no idea. Where you can, you know, like, you can click into their life, and they got, I guess they got webcams and shit. and like, yeah. Stuff going on, and you can, you know, you can catch the Holy Ghost, uh, you know. No, virtually. <laughs> yeah, broadband connection needed. Um, you know, data rates may apply. Um, but, yeah, so I don't know. For me, when I attended church, it was it was about the fellowship. Right? Yeah, it, was it was about the getting together. It was, yeah, it was about getting together. It was about being being with like-minded individuals and, and that, that sense of community. Yeah. So I don't know if you can do the same thing, but I guess I guess there is a thing. Um, and I wonder if with young people, well, I guess a combination of young people and busy lives, mm-hmm. I don't know where it could be appealing. That's a good point though, because actually young people might be stepping away from the church because it's something that you have to do up until now, at least that you have to do physically. If they right. venture into that virtual world where the, where, where, where the youth of today is more adept, more comfortable that might actually you yeah. know, help them. It's entirely possible. So, right, okay, so we'll, we'll continue on with that. We'll do a little bit uh, every week. I don't want to spend too much time on that because so the new stuff and then diving into the problem of evil is going to be a, a way bigger deal. I so, just wanted to ask you quick yeah, yeah. Before interrupt. What is an atheist pastor? That's a really good question. It, it sounds like an oxymoron. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, okay, so um, are you familiar with the clergy project? No. Okay. So the clergy project is something that was put together, um, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, ca8rogers.com, but um, basically put together for people who were like preaching from the pulpit, who, and I think it was done, oh yeah, yeah, it was done through the recovering from a religion. I should know this. I'm a fucking area facilitator for, for RR. But um, so basically the Recovering from Religion Foundation uh, put together this thing called the clergy project. And a guy named Jerry DeWitt, he was the first graduate of the clergy project. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy who was a Pentecostal minister for 25 years. And he would, you know, get up at the pulpit and talk about, you know, like doing revival stuff and, and you know, like uh, the Holy Ghost and all that other stuff. And he got to the point where he didn't believe anymore. Um, he has a great book. It's called Hope After Faith, mm-hmm. uh, which is really, really good. But it was a hard fucking book to read <laughs> because he gets his nuts kicked in every fucking chapter. It's like everything. It's like one step forward, nine steps back, two steps forward, 27. And it's like, I'm, it sounds like I'm uh, like um, being overly dramatic, but he like everything from, from going through with his finances and not having enough to like fucking gas to get from one town to another. And, but wanting to be a preacher and stuff like that and having to like live with family and, and all these are the different things and depend on, uh, basically the charity of others in order to do this thing. And he would go and he would do these revivals and stuff like that. And he'd be doing these pre, you know, like where they do like a whole weekend long revival and he'd walk out of there with 50 bucks or something like that. And they'd have to drive a hundred miles to get home. So he didn't even have a gas money to get home. Like it was just crazy shit. Anyway, hope after faith. It's a great book. It's by name, Jerry DeWitt. Um, and so he would, uh, you know, do stuff. But anyway, he lost his faith. Mm-hmm. Now, for people who are professional preachers, that's their thing, right? Like, that's their paycheck. Yeah. So, people who question their faith, there's, there's this thing, this, the clergy project, where you could, uh, it was, you were very carefully vetted to make sure that you were actually who you said you were. And then there were private forums for you to go on and say, uh, everything from, I'm questioning this, to, I don't fucking believe this shit anymore yeah. at all. Yeah. But I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job and my wife and my family and everybody's going to, you know, people are going to string me up or whatever it is. Because you know, I'm I'm the pastor. I'm the cornerstone of this community. Yeah. And I'm up there and I look at the Bible and I'm like, fuck this. And so the, the clergy project was set up as this whole thing. So I think uh, Greta Vosper is, would be one of the Canadian versions of someone like Jerry DeWitt. Mm. 
who kind of came away from, and I'm, I'm looking forward to talking to her more. I've read a, a couple of her blogs, but I haven't had time to invest, a, I haven't had the time to invest a lot of, I should say, I haven't had the energy to invest a lot of time in reading uh, more up on her stories. I'm really looking forward to meeting her at INR and, and picking her brains more um, and having a chat with her about exactly what it is she does as an atheist pastor. But it seems to me that that's the kind of thing where she'd be like, she's this pastor who was doing her thing. And then maybe she came to the realization that you don't, you don't need this stuff written in this book to be a good person. You know, like how about don't be a fucking douche and you know, like, you know, live your life now, be kind to people and you know, you can be a good person. And she's still a pastor. And she said, well, I, I can't, and this is the part I can't remember, and I feel bad, but I can't remember whether or not she, or not she was removed, basically, from her post or not. Um, so I'll look that up, and I'll, I'll hopefully give you an update next week. <clears throat> uh, so that's, uh, how do we get on this again? Yeah, I asked you what an atheist pastor Right, was. atheist pastor, right. So <laughs> basically, I, that's, my, that's my understanding of, what, of you know, someone who's an atheist pastor. Basically, someone who still gets up there and talks about you know, being good for good sake mm-hmm. instead of for it's God's sake. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot to, you know, like, there's all these, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, you, you stuff and there's, and even these things like atheist churches, right. Have started to pop up. What? Yeah. You hear, you hear more about it in the States than in, than in Canada, but basically these fellowship groups of people who have come out of faith, come out of religion. And it's hard because I could understand where if you were, this is going to sound harsh, but if you weren't particularly strong-willed or strong-minded and you depended on that for your social network, mm-hmm. you know, like if, if all of the people you knew or most of the people you knew were people that you did church group with and church socials and these other things with, then that would be, that's your source right? For stuff. And if you lose that, what have you got? Um, you know, like, what do I do with my time? What mm-hmm. do all, all of these things. So they're replacing it with another gathering of exactly. like-minded individuals. Exactly. Yeah. And they're getting together and they're talking about whatever it is they talk about. I just don't like the term church for, for that. Yeah. Right? Because then you start getting into, oh, well, atheism is just a religion as much as this is. Exactly. And there's a lot of baggage that goes along with that word. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of baggage that goes along with that. So... Uh, anyway, we can get more, uh, we can talk more about that, uh, later too. So we've got, uh, we've both got a couple of news stories. Uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um. I think you yours, were first last time. Yeah, I did go, but isn't yours the one that we're going to start? Oh, I got a couple. Too? I got a couple. I'll just, I'll, I'll just mention mine really quickly. We sure. don't have to, we don't have to get into it. Um, uh, it's from the Gay Star News. Um, it just says the, uh. President of Chechnya vows to eliminate all gay men by the end of May. Um, and at least four gay men have been killed uh, in this guy's custody. Um, so basically, he uh, he wants to make sure that all the homosexual men in Chechnya are uh, eliminated by the beginning of Ramadan, which is May 26th this year. That's weird how it changes every year. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's something to do with the moon. I don't know. Um, but... Uh, yeah, so he's uh, got at least a hundred men in uh, in custody, uh, four four of whom have died, and uh, he's this is being um, condemned by many world leaders except for uh, Vladimir Putin, um, who hasn't really said anything about it, which is the same thing as condoning it. Yeah, really. He was um, silent as understood to concede. <laughs> so yeah, so I just wanted to mention this because this is. Uh, you really, people who say that, you know, being gay is a choice, why would you choose this? You're yeah. being choose to be vilified and persecuted and possibly killed Very just to be yourself. Yeah. So it's not a choice. Like my father even said that when I was still living at home very young, like he was under the impression that it was a choice. And I said to him, like he was talking about how in South Africa, where I'm from, he never participated in this, but he was, but oh, like there was some story about beating up gay. Like if you found out that one of your friends was gay, you go beat him up. Like gay that's bashing, just, basically. That's just something you do. You beat up somebody, you find out they're gay. I was like, why would you choose to be gay if you know that's gonna happen? Just something you do, like starting a checking account. Like when you're, it's, like, it's just something you do. <laughs> it's like you got a plan for your retirement. Not... You got to beat up the gays. 
come on. But it's not like, like, yeah, I'm going to choose to be gay because I'm going to get my ass beat. It's like, no, that's not, you're not choosing. And then I even said, I don't know if I said this to my dad, but I, I was thinking this at a later date saying, like, did you choose to be straight? That, that's the perfect question. Did you choose to be you straight? Know. No, you yeah. just are. When did you, when did you consciously choose to be, you know, a tit man or, you know, <laughs> or whatever it is? Yeah. You know, like when, when did you, when did you choose your orientation. Exactly. Because... It's not a choice. It just is. Yeah. And, well, we talked about this last week, right? You know, about 10% of the population, you know, frequency, um, you know, is is uh, is something like, other than heterosexual. Did you choose to be left-handed? No. You just yeah. are. <laughs> well, there's a funny... I'm not going to get... I'll get, get off topic because there's a funny story about left-handed and right-handed, but... Um, I don't want to get into that right now. Anyway, so that was just the, my new story, but yours is... is, is oh, that's, that's ridiculous, though. So, and yeah, and Putin's not going to say anything because he's all for it. Like, he doesn't give a fuck. Well, they have, like, they're, like basically in Chechnya, there's these concentration camps where they want to get rid of gays. They're, like, they, they, they've, they've, they've moved the Holocaust for, away from, well, they do it to, to LGBT, LGBT community during the Holocaust as well, but... Um, more so today in Chechnya, they're rounding them up and putting them into these into these pens. Basically, you, I wonder if they're doing like, uh, like any kind of like conversion. Like, are they trying like gay conversion therapy? All or... they're doing is forcing people who, uh, who are gay to be closeted. That's all they're doing. You cannot stop people from being gay. All you can do is get them to not tell anybody. No, what I no, but I was thinking, you know, it's like well, and because horrible um, lives. You hear a lot of times, like in uh, you hear about these stories sometimes of these con- conversion therapy counselors, yeah, right? Yeah. You know, we're gonna pray the gay away, or we're well, gonna. They had that in uh, in the states a little while ago. There was a there was a gay conversion camp or something like that, and they were actually like they actually had to come out and say, and apologize for yeah. it and say that no, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. <sighs> okay, so I got a couple of stories. Um, so, so Dean. Um, yes, Mike. What are two marks of a healthy church? Um, a big old cross on the outside and a healthy tithing income. Yeah, I, I was going to say something like A1C and blood pressure, but <laughs> apparently that's not a thing with a healthy church. <laughs> healthy, but not healthy church. Yeah, okay. Um, so... Yeah, low cholesterol. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. What is it? Is LDL the bad one? Or HDL? I have no idea. I have no one. Anyway, bring down the bad one. <laughs> I can't remember which one it is either. Somebody's gonna comment, yeah, it's LDL, or whatever the fuck it is. Um, All I know is that last time I went for a physical, which was more than a year ago, I was, I was healthy. Oh, okay. <laughs> Alright, well, maybe, maybe some of your health can rub off on this church. Um, okay, so this is by, um... This is written by a guy named uh, Jeff K. Clark. He's the, he's the author of a couple of news stories this week. So, all right. There are a plethora of voices across the church spectrum that speak to what a healthy church should look like. While no doubt many of these books, articles, blog, um, articles and blog posts all contain many helpful ideas, I think the book Future Faith Churches, co-written by Daniel Podorsky, and Gary Nelson is a great place to begin. Why, you ask? Because they keep it simple. Without getting into too many details, blah, 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 the article goes on. So basically, there are two things that define what a healthy church is. All right. And that's when they keep it personal and social. Mm. What Now, what the fuck does that mean? All right, so let's talk about this. Okay. So their ethos and core values, along with the ministries that filtered through these ideas, offered its members the opportunity to become actively engaged in the missionary process. No magical formulas here, okay? Actively engaged in the missionary <clears throat> position. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, 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 you're doing it wrong. <laughs> All right, and now, here's what they call this. Here's the little, the little hook, right? Because they can't just leave it personal and social. So personal, okay, they call... Soul care. What? Yep, yep. And social, Is they that a call... happy ending? <laughs> exactly. Well, we talked last week about strokes, right? <laughs> so, um, so social care, uh, so soul care and social care. Okay? Um, so, so that's the whole thing. So those are the two marks of what a healthy church is. That's going to need s- further explanation. I don't yeah. even know what soul care is. No, neither do First I. First of all, 
who said we had a soul? And second of all, how do you care for it? Yeah. So, okay, so here it is. Soul care and social care. The heart... At the heart and mind coupled with concrete expressions in service to others. This reflects an emphasis of scripture, the Jesus Creed specifically, and it ought to permeate within the church today. That's their explanation. That doesn't... Alright, isn't that what they're doing anyway? I didn't write this shit, man. Okay. And, there's no magic... There's no secret to this. If, if you do this right, this is like the recipe... So what he's saying here, and he says it right here, he says, no, no, no secret recipes indeed. If repeated, this will cause the church to grow. So my, my profound hope is they totally fuck this up. Well, they give really good, concise instructions. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't it though? Soul care. Soul care. Which means what reading scripture and... What else? I didn't even... Well, the social care is doing... So, there's a lot of things. So, have you ever had a chat with... We're getting off talk a little here, but what a fuck it. Uh, you, ever, you ever talk to Mormons? No, if I can... It's hysterical. <laughs> fuck, I, dude. The next time they knock on the door, it. invite them in. Well, that's just it. They it's, always come at the worst great. time. It's great. I'm holding back my dog. I've still got my pajamas on. So, <laughs> um... Okay. <laughs> so, you invite them in. And you sit and listen to their song and dance. They, they'll bring out, like, a kit... And they have like kit. little oh yeah they, kit. They, um they got a whole bunch of little like coaster sized cardboard cutout emblems and things that they'll lay on the table, and they'll talk about you know the celestial kingdom the 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 um, the celestial kingdom the terrestrial kingdom and the then the, there's there's three kingdoms oh right? so it's like it's like it's like. Um, it's like levels in Warcraft. Yeah. Um, but, <clears throat> yeah, and you can only get to certain levels depending on how righteous and pious you are, right? Uh, so how they many... don't get to go into the VIP room. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's, there's a wristband policy, in effect. Okay, so, but basically, anyway, so the point of this when we talk about service, if you, if you have them come back a few times, so they came in, I, I talked their fucking ears off, and after about an hour and a half, they're like, we have to go. We have more people to try to indoctrinate. So they're like, well, I'm like, come on back. So they came back the next week and they came back the week again. And as they were leaving the third time, the one guy, uh, Caleb, he said, if we come back, we have to perform a service for you. <laughs> this, we're getting to the I happy shit, ending, aren't we? I shit you not. <laughs> this is what they said. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> And they said, well, do you have anything around the house you need done? And I'm like, what? And I said, what? They said, yeah, yeah. Like, do, can we clean your house? <laughs> or can we, I fucking shit you not, dude. Can we clean your house? Or um, do you need some gardening done? Or, and I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I'm, I had that, uh, th there was a meme floating around Facebook a while ago. It's like, you ever hear something so stupid it makes you squint? <laughs> So I, my eyes were like fucking slits. I'm like, what? What? And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, we have to do a service. It's, it's part of what we do. So I'm like, can I think about it? Like, can I think about what I need done? Yeah. So like, needs a bath. So they were so excited. Dude, they were fucking, he was erect. He was so excited <laughs> when he left. So they left and they came back the next week. And so in between that, I talked to my wife and I'm like, babe, you'll never forget that. You'll never, you'll never believe this. What do you want done around the house? I'll get it done. So, so, so. need so, a basement renovated. So, no. So, so she was like, well, she, she, I show you know, she's like, well, the kitchen floor is really dirty. So I'm like, okay. So they came back and I said, my kitchen floor is really dirty. I went out ahead of time and I bought buckets and sponges and scrubby brushes. They got down on their hands and fucking knees and scrubbed my kitchen floor really? while they were talking about Jesus. Wow. I fucking shit you not. That's awesome. So that, anyway, that's a long story to tell you. That's the service part they're talking about. Um, like, and different faith systems well, it have it. was a happy ending. Well, kind of. I didn't have to wash the fucking floor. But, so, so basically, they're, that's what they're talking about. That's a different kind of take on it. But from a service perspective. Yeah. Like, Mormons want to do a service for you. Right? And I wouldn't want the girls to touch me anyway, because Mormon girls, they, they were handsome women. <laughs> uh, and they were young. She's a bit mannish. <laughs> She's a bit mannish. 
Uh, yeah. So, but no. But anyway, uh, seriously, I yeah, I wasn't interested in that in any way. But um, it was very funny. So that's um. Why so, am I just hearing about this now? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The the shit you you know it's like it's it was back in the you know it was back in the memory banks. It just didn't it just never came up. <laughs> Yeah, so those are the marks of a healthy church. So so when you're shopping for a church, <laughs> keep that in mind. Yeah, I need that. Keep that in mind. All right. Um, uh, this next uh, story is from um, Christian Week. And uh, this is by a guy named Eric Parker. And the title of the article is, We have decided, we have decided to choose religion for our children. Yeah, okay. All right, yep. Everybody take a gasp. Alrighty. Okay. Whether or not to raise your children with religion is a pretty controversial topic. Just Google choosing religion for your children and you'll find a host of articles explaining why choosing religion for your children is a bad idea. I like those articles. Mm -hmm. The idea that you know, here's the next part. This is bold. This is in bold type. The idea that you can defer choosing a religion for your children until they are old enough to choose it for themselves is wrong. Now, the skeptic in me... You're going to have to back that up. <laughs> no, so here's the, here's the problem. What they're, real, what, they're saying not, what they're saying by but not saying is if you let the kid... So, when you, so you take a three-year-old or a four-year-old, right? Mm -hmm. And they're impressionable little sponges. Mm -hmm. And we are the caretakers, so don't touch the stove, it's hot. Sometimes a kid is fucking stupid and touches the stove anyway, but then they burn themselves. Yeah. And they're like, oh. Lesson learned. Um, the, the, the mom and the dad told me not to and I did it and they were right. Yeah. So we, are, we, we breed into our children the, the need to listen to the, well, the figures who not, raise them. No, we don't breed it into them. It's, it's a product of evolution. Sure, um, yeah. If you, ta if you listen to, to Richard Dawkins, he even says that um, evolution has 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 brought out uh, uh, an innate ability for ch children to listen to their parents. They're not like he's not saying, oh, they're not going to say no and be idiots and stuff like that because they definitely are. Yeah. But they will innately turn to you for living advice because basically the whole reason we are alive is to reach reproductive age. Right. Now your parents are by definite have by definition reach that age because they have you. Right. So you have to do what they did to, get reach, to, that that, right. to reach that. Now, when when the kids are young, the brains are sponges, right? Like you got that with your kids now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The oldest one is like asking you questions all the time. Yeah. Why daddy, why daddy, why daddy? Well and, we we got past the why phase. Oh okay. Now it's um it's um what what if? Oh okay. <laughs> but right. what if, what if, what if, what if? So so if your son comes and says what if with a religious question you could plant the seed of, you'll burn in hell forever if you don't. <laughs> yeah. And because kids are stupid, and they have to listen... That's stupid. No, not Ignorant. stupid. Yeah, okay, that's that's better. Okay, some kids are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Most kids yes. are ignorant. Yes. Some kids are stupid. Okay, so because kids are ignorant about the ways of life, they're more likely to listen to the caretakers. Yes. Right? So what this guy is, what he's not saying, but he's really saying is, if you don't teach them young, they're never going to fucking believe this. Because if you take, if, if, if it was illegal to teach kids about God, any God, until they were 16 years old, you think they fucking believe it? Of course not. So you got you to gotta breed it into them, or you got to impart that fear, yeah. and that's what I call it, and you can argue with me if you want, I'm, I, I welcome the debate. But you have to you have to impart that fear early, otherwise it's not going to stick. Yeah. So they're saying you can't you can't wait to you can't wait to choose you can't let them choose on their own because then the devil will get into them and they'll never choose uh, they'll never choose <laughs> the Jesus devil will get into them. they'll never choose Jesus or Muhammad or Allah or, or Thor or anybody else. The thing is that the, the, these people that the like I'm sure the writer of this article and the people that are very religious they it it permeates their whole life so you can't exactly keep your children away from it. If it's part of your life, if you're Probably going not. to church every Sunday, if you're reading the Bible in your home, if you're saying, you know, um, if you're telling people not to use the Lord's name in vain, this is happening in your household. They're yeah. going to pick it up. Yeah. No, you're probably right. So as parents, we are choosing for our children either way. 
Whether we choose religion or not, we are making the choice for them. We are not putting off that choice. We are choosing something or we are choosing nothing for them. It is like saying, I am not... Listen to this. <laughs> this part, I want to punch this motherfucker right in the nuts. It is like saying, I'm not going to choose literacy for my children. They can decide to be readers on their own when they are older. Oh my fucking God. Yeah. If yeah. they want to. Nut punch. If they want to. You aren't delaying the choice. You are depriving them of a real opportunity to read. So what they're trying to say there is they're trying to say you're depriving them of God. Yeah. Force he's going to be around other kids that are religious. Yeah. Or whatever. Learn, like hear it from a teacher on the schoolyard. What? Who knows? Whatever. If he's got questions, I will answer his questions honestly and even ask him questions in return. I will not tell my kids what to think. I will teach them how to think. Yeah. That's a good line. That's a good line. Uh, and the last part of it says here, and while I get that every family and child is unique and that applying a universal rule is impossible. It's, isn't that funny how he says applying a universal rule is impossible here? But do it anyway. But he's got, <laughs> but do it anyway. And he's got no, I'm sure he's got no problem with the Ten Commandments and all those other things. Anyway. <laughs> um, I am also convinced that choosing religion for your children can be and is a very good thing. Um, Mr. It. Eric Parker. Prove it. What, Fuck what, you. What do you have to back that up? How is it a good thing? Yeah. I'm going to scare the shit out of my kids into... You better believe this or you'll burn in hell forever. Um, no. Fuck and you. Um, if my child becomes religious because it's something that they have like a personal experience, revelation, whatever, and they say, you know, like, I gotta... There's something here, something bigger than me, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. I'm going, I'm not going to say you can't, and right. this is stupid, and you're dumb. I would never say that to to, to a child, or my child, or anybody. Yeah. Um, you well, think not it, to though. anybody. You but, think it, though. <laughs> you're like, but man, I'm, you're dumb. But I, I definitely, like, ask him questions. And if he was still very fervent at the end, okay, whatever makes you happy. Yeah. There's another great book out there. I hope to, I hope to be able to talk to him at some point. His name is Peter Bogosian. Um, he's got a book called The Manual for Creating Atheists. And uh, great book, and he takes a very he takes a very Socratic approach uh, to this thing. And and there's a couple of interesting things he talks about in there. He talks about he, he uses one term called dogmatic openness. So the root of the word being you know dogma. So it's like when someone is open to the possibility of implanting a question, right? And you know or planting a seed of doubt, mm -hmm. and. So, yeah, it's like when, when my daughter started asking me questions or she started saying things because her mother was, um, was quite, you know, quite a believer. And I would just say, okay, well, and she, so my daughter would say whatever it was. Uh, and I'd say, well, let's talk about that. Why do you think that's true? And then I would just wait for her to respond. Yeah. You know, do you, you know, again, we talked before, do you have a good reason? Yeah. Believe is what the, you... Is that reasonable? Believe what you want. Just have a good reason for believing it. Yeah. My son, my, my son's five years and old and he's, he, he asked me a question just in the car. Um, God, he, like he said, gods can make anything. He said, do you, cause yeah. he, he watched the Moana movie. Right. Right. And, um, uh, the, the, the Tefiti, um, is the God of, of life or whatever. And, um, he asked me how she made a boat um and i said i don't know and she he said gods can can do whatever they want can can make anything right and i was like well yeah that's if if they were real they could but they're not <laughs> and then he, but then he, he kept on saying like he goes he goes he goes um uh could they be real and i was like well they could be but we don't have any, any evidence right now to suggest that they are yeah and then I explained the whole thing about how in the olden days, uh, people didn't know why people got sick or why there were big storms or why the gra or why their crops grew. So they gave, they, they, they attributed all these things to gods. But now science has come along and we did experiments and we tested things and now we know why those things happen. And yeah. We don't need gods for that. We know why there's lightning now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, okay. So we got to jump back into this, uh, this, uh, Jeff K. Clark dude. For our next uh, story, which is why we're going to get into now, we're going to get into the problem of evil, uh, which I guess will be our, our last uh, segment for the day. But it'll, I'm sure it'll be um, fun-filled. So, okay, so this guy Jeff Clark, he 
he's featured in lots of different magazines um, and uh, online publications as well. Christian Week, which I mentioned before, Church Leaders, which is one of the art- other articles that we're reading from. Uh, here's a good one. Sermon Central. Servant Central? Sermon. Oh, Sermon Central. Sermon Central. Uh, the Pangea Blog. Okay, does, yep. he know, does he know what Pangea is? Probably not. <laughs> and On Faith. All right. All right, so these are, these are the different things that he, that he writes about, okay? So, I'm just going to get right into this, and uh, we will, uh, we'll have some fun. When good comes from bad, it doesn't mean that the bad was part of God's design, that God orchestrated it or needed it. It simply means that God has the unique ability to take the bad, redeem it, and bring good even from it. And right. fuck are you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I this whole thing fucking pisses me off so much. So now, I, I gotta read on though. It says, alright. What was originally intended to bring harm, God can use for redemptive purposes. Sickness, pain, and tragedy... Don't come from God's loving hand. But he can, and this is, I just, yeah, stop here. I hate, so whenever I'm writing something, I will never cap- capitalize God. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I do the same thing. Um, this guy, he capitalizes God, and he also capitalizes he, because he's talking about God, right? Oh, God. Um, so in, uh, in, Hitch- in Hitchens' book, God is not great. He specifically has God lowercase g. Yeah. In that. Yeah. And that wasn't the first place that I saw it, but I use it all the time. And when I'm having online discussions with people, it pisses them right off, and I love it. Because they're like, <laughs> you know, you're talking about a, it's, it's a person's name. No, it's not. It's an identifier. And even if you were talking about someone, then you would say Yahweh or something like that, yeah. which is supposedly, you know, God's name. Mm-hmm. So you still wouldn't say God with a capital G. You would use the proper name Yahweh. That I'll actually capitalize. If I'm writing something, I'll capitalize Yahweh. Yeah, that's a proper name. But, but I won't have you noticed, uh, like I'm talking about with uh, like spell check or on your phone with autocorrect, if you type God with the lowercase g, it capitalizes it. Right. And do you remember I, I was telling you, and I heard this online, basically, uh, I think it was from another podcast. I can't remember which one it was. It might have been Cognitive Dissonance, where they were saying they had a guest on, and they said the way to get around that is to add God lowercase yeah. g to your contacts list. <laughs> And then when you're typing it out, it'll recognize that and it'll put it in God lowercase. Yeah. And then you won't have to autocorrect it all the time, which I thought was brilliant. Okay, so... Well, you can add the lowercase to your to your dictionary. Yeah, I guess you could do that too. Um, so then, okay, uh, so it's not comes by God's loving hand. But he can take good... Um, he can take good from even sickness, pain, and tragedy. So, please don't be deceived into believing that because good may come from bad that God must have been behind it. Instead, learn to embrace the idea that he, again capital, can redeem bad for those who have surrendered the bad into his care to bring even good from it. Next part. And I want to read this whole thing before I just rip it to fucking shreds. So, when we attribute sickness, disease, and tragedy to God, we are effectively saying God is the author of evil. Yet, we know that God is light, and that in him there is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, 5. Now, what this tells me, this fucking guy has never read the fucking Bible. Because he's never read Isaiah 45, 7. And in Isaiah 45, 7, from the King James Version, the authorized version, I form the light, and I create darkness. I make peace, and I create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Yeah. So, Jeff K. Clark, fuck you. And at the very least, at the very least, you have an extreme contradiction within the Bible. Yeah. At the very least. But there is, and and it's funny because... the light and the dark. Exactly. So, so now we can get into this right away. So, um, the King James Version, which was a lot of people like to cite as kind of the authorized version. That's why I like to take it from that. Some of the other versions say, create calamity. Mm. Uh, and stuff like that the same as um, uh, Matthew 10.34 when it says uh, Jesus says do not think I've come to bring peace I haven't come to bring peace but a sword some versions say division so that's why I actually like to go to the King James Version 
to actually use it because it's the one that's it's the most brutal. Yeah. It's the most brutal. <laughs> it's the most brutal by far. Um, so I'll go back. Okay, so therefore, to say that God is somehow behind calamity, so he takes it from, to, from another version there, um, in whatever form it may take, um, is a different picture of the God than the one that is displayed in Jesus, um, God's enfleshed icon. That's a weird term. Uh, yeah. <sighs> okay, so... Uh, so I love, I love, so the problem of evil. So where does evil come from? According to, and I would love to talk to this guy. I, I will, I think I will reach out to him. Um, hopefully he doesn't listen to this podcast first. <laughs> it's difficult to yell at somebody when you're talking to them and like, like when you're actually talking to them. What? Sorry, say that again. It's difficult to yell at somebody when you're actually talking to Have them. Have we just like... met? <laughs> no problem yelling at people. <laughs> Um, no, but no, I, I, I don't. It's funny. That's why I say kind of joking, you know, joking, not joking. If he listens to this, if I do reach out to him, if he listens to this first, Dan, he's not going to, he's not going to talk to me. Um, because I've just pointed out how silly he is, but well, I'm sure it's not the first time. Well, probably not. So, okay. So where does evil come from? According to the Bible, God creates evil. Yes. Um, and so it, it's, so why is it so? So what do you think about what I just read? I think it's uh, it's 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 reprehensible. Um, it's just it's just farcical. Bad shit happens and good shit happens. You can't attribute it to anything. I like what I always say is that you got to take responsibility for your for for your for your faults, and pride from your achievements. Mm. Um, you don't say thank God this happened, or, you know, oh, God, why did this happen? It's on you. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I've you had take this... responsibility yeah. for your own actions. If you get into a car accident, it's not like, oh, God doesn't like me, or the devil got into my car, or whatever. You were doing something stupid. Yeah, entirely, unless you got rear-ended or somewhere. Or Even or if you're rear-ended, you got to take, take responsibility. Make sure that, 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 that you're looking in your rear view, and a car's coming up, move out of the way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always, there's, you drive in such a way that you have an exit, you have an out. If you see somebody coming up behind you, you can pull into the shoulder. Um, you know, don't follow too closely. All these things. Like, I'm just talking about, like, if you're not in your car, then maybe you can say something. Sure. But you shouldn't have parked. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. So, I mean, it's like, um, I, I read somewhere once, I can't remember where, where I read it, but essentially, um, it was a quote that basically, um, good and bad things happen to good and bad people at essentially the same statistical rates. Yeah. And shit happens. Yeah, yeah, shit happens. And so, you know, to... Uh, and you see this all over the place, right? Like Tim Tebow, you know, the was it the, the football player from a year or so ago? Every time he scored a touchdown, he'd get down and pray and shit yeah, like yeah, that yeah. and thank God and stuff like that. And you kind of wonder, it's like, if you look at the population of the United States, it is statistically inevitable... That one or one or one or more members of the opposing team is also a Christian who prayed before the game yeah. for them to win. Yeah, right. So how, who, how does God choose who He's going to listen to, who He's going to favor, who He's going to bless today? Well, it's usually the white guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I I I don't know. But so when I think about like when I think about evil, I I think about for me it break it it get it gets down to. Not, not something as, as simple as, I don't think a God can exist because I look at the world and I see all the evil. Because I've, I have said that to apologists that I've been talking to online too quickly, and they've got canned responses for that, to mm -hmm. come back and say, oh, you know, whatever it is, and, and they plop out their canned response to that, to say, you're just looking at it the wrong way or something like that. But what I, what I try to say now is when you look at, you know, when you look at, all of these bad things that happen. If, if you look at something like this, you know, first John, uh, first John, you know, one five or any of these other things. Um, I forget the Bible verse now, but the Bible, I think it's in Psalm, uh, Psalm 121 or 126 that says where the, where God says he will keep you from all harm. Yeah. Um, well, you know, except everybody that gets killed in a horrific accident. Yeah. Except them. And keep you from harm, except when you're hurt. Exactly. So, it's I I have a I have a real problem I have a real problem with that, and I think that when you look at 
you know, when you look at even when you look at what the Bible specifically says, you know, that the Bible is responsible for, that God basically says, you know, where did evil come from? That's on me. I did that. Um, and it, my bad. <laughs> my, my bad. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's like, I don't know what to do. I, you know, I promised I wouldn't flood the world again. And, you know, you've already fucking well, I mean, he, killed he, my son. He, he is the one and all, right? So there, he can't, there can't be something that he's not the cause of. He created the universe. He created evil as well. Yeah. Right? You got to take the sugar with the sweet. I mean, the, 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 the bitter with the sweet. Yeah. So he, you cannot have a God that didn't create evil. What about Satan? Well, he created Satan too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Satan is not, well, at least from what I've been, what I've read, Satan is not evil. He is opposed to God. Right. Anyway, there was another quote uh, from Epicurus, or it's a, it's a disputed quote. I don't know if he actually said it, but is God willing to prevent evil, but not able? Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able, but not willing? Then he is malevolent. Is he both able and willing? Then whence come evil? Is he neither able nor willing, then why call him God? So that's just perfect, right? Like, if, if God was able to prevent evil and he didn't, then he is evil himself. He's a dick. Yeah, yeah. exactly. All and, if he, and, and if, 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 he, um, if, he, if he was, if he can prevent evil and he did prevent evil, there wouldn't be an evil. Yeah. And if he can't do either, then he's not, then he's not God. One of the, another good argument that I heard someone pose once is, is there evil in heaven? There has to be. So, well, no, so here's the thing. <laughs> Here, here's the thing. But one man's evil is another man's heaven. Well, I guess so. <laughs> but, so the way the apologetic, it was laid out like this. Yeah, or I guess the counter-apologetic. Is there evil in heaven? So the conversation was basically between, you know, between a podcast, or I can't remember who it was. It might have been Dogma Debate, but I can't remember. Um... So basically it was, it was a podcaster talking to another apologist and saying, you know, is there evil in heaven? And the apologist said, no, you know, there's, there's no evil in heaven. And then he said, well, is there free will in heaven? <laughs> and the, and the apologist said, yeah, there, there has to be free will. God will never take away our free will. And what he said, well, then he said it was basically kind of like, um, it was like a bear trap. Yeah. Um, saying, well, if. If God has the ability to, to create a place where there is free will and no evil, why didn't he just do that here? Yeah. And the apologist, you know, there was just dead air. Yeah. Right? And then they kind of, you know, I forget Test what... Test your faith and all this. I, yeah, I, I forget, uh, I forget exactly what, it, you know, what it was he came up with to kind of weasel his way out of it. Test his faith. You brought up something interesting. I was having another discussion um, with somebody, going, getting off top a little off topic a little bit again, but who cares? So, um, the whole idea of, um, com it, it, it was relating back to compulsory love and, um, the whole idea of, um, omniscience, mm -hmm. right? So all, all knowing. So according to typical Christian apologetics, God is omnipotent, and they've they've fucked with the definitions, right? So the like omnipotent means all powerful, yeah. but they real but a lot of apologists have realized that that's tricky. So they say, well, you know, as powerful as is possible to be, <laughs> and then uh, omniscient, you know, all knowing, or as knowing, you know, as all knowing <laughs> as it is possible to be, you know, and then. Um, Another one talks about omnis, omnisapience, which apparently is like all wisdom. Mm -hmm. I never heard that term before. I read it a while ago, but anyway. So, Abraham and Isaac, right? So, the, the famous story of God telling Abraham to sacrifice his son. Yes. As a test. Yeah. As a test of whether or not Abraham would basically do as he's told. Yeah. Doesn't God already know? Isn't it part of the grand design? He's, om he's, he's, he's omniscient. He yeah. should know. So he already knows. And the fact that, and what's funny because what so many people have said is, well, but he didn't let him kill him because the angel came down at the last second and stopped it. <laughs> now, you know, the, 
the the old social worker in me is like, but can you imagine the trauma that this poor boy was put through? You know, seeing the the knife coming down, like, whoa, motherfucker! Um, you know, and the angel staying, you know, staying his hand at the last second. But the whole thing about omniscience, he knows what's gonna happen before he does it, so why do it at all? He knew, according according to that apologetic, right, the, of the omniscience, he knew before he created the universe what you and I would be doing now. Oh, of course. So he already knew. God made me an atheist. Who are you to... <laughs> Who are you to question him, motherfucker? <laughs> Who are you to question God? So, any, anyway. Um, so the problem of evil has is one that's always been... Uh, and I know it kind of bounced around a little bit here. But the problem of evil, evil has always been one that's really angered me. And so when I, when I read that article, and when he quoted that other Bible verse, it... You know, either he hasn't read Isaiah 45, 7... Or he wasn't aware of it, or something like that. A, a lot of, you know, most Christians can quote John three sixteen. Well, most Christians pull out the verses that they need to back up whatever they're saying right at that point. You know, what pisses me off though is, is that we, you know, the atheists or the secular humanist community, we get a we get accused of the same thing. We get accused of cherry picking as well. Cherry picking but from what? From the Bible. Oh, <laughs> so because okay. okay, so most Christians know John three sixteen, right? Yeah. God so love the world, yada yada yada. But not a lot know Matthew ten thirty four. You know, I haven't come to bring peace. I have come to bring a sword. I've turned come to turn. You know, father against whatever. I forget the exact verse. And where Jesus also says later on, where he says, you know, if you don't, if you don't hate your family, you know, hate everybody, and and even hate your own life, you can't be one of my disciples. Not a lot of Christians know that yeah. because. You know, because when we're going going back to the other news article we talked about, when the parents choose religion for their family and they ship them off to the pastor, the pastor skips over those you know those those verses and yeah. just concentrates on John three sixteen and John you know First John uh, one five, where he tells them all the tell them all the good shit. Well, yeah. But I if mean, you start at Genesis one one and go all the way through to the end of Revelation, I don't know how you can put that book down and say yeah that totes makes sense, <laughs> um, and not be an atheist, but. Um, it bothers me when when we get a we get accused of cherry picking as well, when all we're doing is using the Christian source book yeah. and saying, but what what about this? Doesn't it also say this? Exactly. And so when I read that, and I'm like, this motherfucker, and and then again, I skipped over what I was going to say before, and the fact that most times they'll talk about uh, a Christian or a believer will say, you know, we're well, you have to you've taken it out of context. <laughs> what context? If you start at Isaiah forty five one and read all the way through the 45th chapter of Isaiah, it's all, the start of it is, here, this, I am God, and here's all the shit I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And he go, it's God talking through the whole thing. So it's not out of context. Yeah. What's the context that makes this moral? Yeah. In, in what context is this okay? Mm-hmm. You know, in what con like, uh, for, I, I love 1 Samuel 3.15, um, where... Um, God tells Joshua to slaughter the Amalekites. Yeah. You know, dash the baby's heads against the rocks. You know, isn't murder wrong? Yeah. Um, anyway, that's getting into a whole other topic. Well, the, whole, the whole thing, like... Uh, 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 that was gone. Never mind. Continue. All right. Brain fart. <laughs> uh, next. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So that really bothered me. And uh, the topic of evil is something that I really wanted to uh, really wanted to discuss. Even if we only did kind of an abbreviated version here. I'd love to get... Um, I'd love to get a Christian in studio or, you know, or on yeah. Skype or something like that to, to try to, um, you know, defend these things. Oh, that, um, that reminds me, I should say, um, I've been having conversations with, um, a Christian named Blake Genta. He, he's done debates with, uh, Mac Dillahunty. Um, he's done debates with, uh, guys like uh, David Smalley. He's done lots of different stuff. He has a website called Belief Map. Uh, I think it's beliefmap.org. Anyway, we've been chatting. I've asked him to come on the podcast, and he's agreed to it. Um, so we're going to have a discussion probably the first week of May. And uh, so that'll be coming out uh, hopefully soon. And I want to ask him. I wanted, I wanted to go through because basically he started posting, not feverishly, but he started posting more regularly about his Belief Map website. So I went on to his website. And I started at basically, you know, proofs for God. Like I started at, you know, section 1.1 and I went all the way through it. And I went through the whole thing, answering the questions. I'm like, I don't get it. I don't understand how this is supposed to be the answer to the questions. I started at your start point. I went through the beginning. I went through the end. I'm like, I still don't believe this. 
Um, I don't understand how he seems to think there's these magic bullets, and he goes through a lot of stuff. He he talks a lot on the philosophical perspective, and I am not a philosopher. Well, he's the same guy that he told me. He says, uh, "Don't get to me. Uh, don't talk to me about evidence because the evidence is on my side." No, no, that's a different. Guy. Oh, that's a different. That's guy. a different okay. guy. No, that was Gary Habermas, who actually I got the link to his. Um, I got the link to his audio series from Blake Genta. Oh, okay. But he's the different guy. Yeah. Um, well, we can talk about that briefly. Basically, um, Gary Habermat, uh, Blake Genta posted this thing about basically this apologetics course. And it was 30 audio files ranging between 30 and 40 minutes. So it was an investment of time. Mm-hmm. I listened to every second of every one. <laughs> I would punch in my fucking phone through some of it. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. <laughs> Because some of the things that he says, because at one point, and I, I mentioned it to you briefly, in, in one of the earlier ones, I think it's like in lecture two or three, when he's talking about, he's talking about one point, and he says, you know, and he's he's incredibly condescending, because he's taught, he's preaching to the converted, right? Yeah. He's teaching this seminar to people who, people who are, I almost said people like sheeple, um, <laughs> he is teaching this to people who are already believers. Yeah. So he's already, you know, preaching to the converted. And at one point he says, he says, you know, when I'm talking to these <laughs> skeptics, people who don't believe, and this is, that's kind of how his voice sounds. I'm not kind of, I'm not making fun of his voice. His voice kind of sounded like that. He says, uh, you know, they, uh, the first thing they want to do is bring up evidence. And I just stopped them right there. And then look, buddy, uh, you don't want to go down the evidence road with me. Cause <laughs> believe me, we've got the evidence. <laughs> and at that point I'm screaming on my phone. I'm like, show me the fucking evidence. And nothing, at no point does he list one fucking shred of evidence exactly, through any it. of it. There wouldn't be atheists if there were evidence. <laughs> he, um, he, he, throws out a, he throws out a ton of anecdotal stuff. Well, I, okay, I shouldn't say that. I have to go back. He offers a lot of evidence that isn't evidence. <laughs> so, like, he offers a lot of stuff which can easily... So, he loves Bart Ehrman. I don't know what that is. Uh, Bart Ehrman is... Um, uh, he's a, he's a professor. Uh, he has his uh, PhD. I think he, I believe has his PhD in theology and he's a philosopher and stuff like that. Anyway, he, um, he loves Bart Ehrman. If Bart Ehrman was on the stage, he'd have been stroking him. Um, cause he quotes Ehrman and stuff like that all the time. And he uses Ehrman as one of his, his main sources. But if you've seen any of the, like, for instance, if you saw the debates last discussion between Bart Ehrman and Robert Price, where Matt Dillahunty was the, um, uh, was the was the moderator. Here are two guys who are heavily degreed in both of the areas. One guy saying Jesus was a total historical figure. The other guy saying I don't think so. I think I you know I'm more of a mythicist. And you know and then you take guys like Richard Carrier and even uh, people who aren't real historians like quote unquote historians like David Fitzgerald, who's who he's he's the first one to tell you he's not a historian. Yeah. Um, but. Every single thing that Habermas, Habermas said was something that either Price, Carrier, or Fitzgerald said, okay, here's what they're saying, and here's how it isn't true. So he's listing all these different points that have been refuted. Yeah. And he's listing, everyone he listed, Ehrman was the only pseudo, I shouldn't say pseudo, he's the only partially secular uh, person he noted. In yeah. any of his talk, everybody else, you know, went to blah 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 theological seminary. Yeah. And so you know, you're going to get a totally objective opinion from them. Uh, so it was just, but it was it was frustrating to listen to. So okay, so that was the one who said, "Don't we you know? Don't fuck with me. We've got the evidence." Basically. So I went through Blake's, uh, I, you know, I went through Blake's website, all this other stuff. But I I've asked him to come on. I said, you know, I want to have a conversation. I you know, I want to talk to you about this stuff. Um, and so he's agreed. So hopefully, uh, first week of May, he'll be on. Hopefully you're available yes. <laughs> to, to, to have that conversation. And, um, and yeah, I'm still working. Uh, I, I don't know if I talked about this or not. I don't think I talked about this. I didn't talk about this. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I didn't talk about this. We're going to talk about it now. Um, I've been, uh, I've been in talks with, uh, Lawrence Krauss. And Lawrence Krauss is going to be appearing on the CA. Um, yes, I've been uh, I've been um, communicating back and forth with his book publicist. I I reached out to him originally uh, directly because we're connected on Facebook and Twitter and stuff like that. 
And uh, we met at uh, NonCon 2015 a couple of years ago. We met again um, at another event and stuff. So I reached out to him and he's like, yeah, you know what? That sounds like a good thing, you know, but I've, I've got to put you in touch with my publicist, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, we're trying to work out the details, but, uh, you know, but he will be, uh, he will be uh, coming on uh, at some point, hopefully before INR, uh, which is in June. But I guess we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens as far as that goes. So, <sighs> <laughs> I was talking fast there. Yeah. Well, it's exciting that you had Lawrence Krauss on the show. Yeah, but just everything else, too. Celebrity. Yeah. Oh, very much so. Very much so. Uh, okay, so how, how long do you think we've been going? Uh, it's got to be over an hour. Yeah, we were at an hour and six minutes. Oh. Exactly. That's a new record. Um, right. So I think we did everything that we wanted to do tonight. I think we got into enough trouble. Mm-hmm. So... I think we will sign off for tonight. All right. So I'm hoping to be able to record again uh, this Sunday. I guess it's Monday today, so I'll hopefully I'll try to get the um, this episode posted uh, either. Well, I won't get it posted tonight because I have to go to bed soon. But um, I hope to get the episode posted tomorrow or uh, Wednesday at the latest. And then we'll hopefully be recording again on Sunday. Because uh, my wife's out of town, so I'll have the I'll be able to run around the house naked and we'll record. We won't, <laughs> Wait. <laughs> we won't record while I'm naked. <laughs> I know. I, I should have. I should have phrased that way better than I did. I, like I will you get. Know. I will get to run around the house naked, <laughs> comma space. We can also record. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're friends. We're not that kind of friends. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I have no need to see you naked. What's that? Um, you know, it's like the worst thing you can ever say to it. You know, it's like you're a nice guy, but <laughs> <laughs> it's like being put in the friend zone. I'm totally okay with you putting me in the friend zone. <laughs> Too late. It's already there. Yeah. All right. <sighs> okay. So um, until next time, uh, this has been the CA, and I have been Michael, and I have and will be Dean. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been The CA. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, please drop by the iTunes store and give us a review and subscribe to get the latest episodes as soon as they release. Just a reminder, the views expressed on this broadcast are solely those of the hosts and are for entertainment purposes only. Never take advice from two guys expressing an opinion on a podcast. That's just silly. See you back here soon. <laughs>